Mark and Chris, welcome to the Fortress. Hi, how are you? How are you? Awesome. I'm really well. Are you both still enjoying Tension? It's been out for about a month now. Is it still on your playlists? Yes. Um, I actually want to know what that song you were you were just playing was. Ah, now for our listeners, Mark was waiting in our studio and there was a song on a loop because I stuffed up time zones. No, it wasn't actually my fault. I blame Daylight Saving this time. But, yeah, you were listening to a little track called Happy. I, I assume that was what the title of the song was. But, like, is, so that's a leftover tension track, is it? It is. I understand it is. Chris, have you heard Happy? I haven't. I've got to catch up on a few of these new ones that are floating out around there. Okay. Well, I promise because there's no copyright issues. Hey, yay. So I'm going to play it at the end of this. Okay. So you can all have it. Everyone can have a listen to what Mark had to listen to about 4,000 times. Well, well while we were waiting I've heard it a couple of thousand times while I was waiting. <laughs> I, I, well, um, why is unfortunately, that on, Mark, on tension? I, I have to say, Mark, one of the problems is for tension, they recorded just two and a half minute songs at the most. So that's why you heard it so many times. Well, I, I don't understand why that one wasn't on on the album it, it would have fitted in quite well with hands i think agree <laughs> no why are you running out of patience with tension oh look i i i just don't think it's as, as good as golden and disco and um i i do find it really curious that there's these three random songs that she didn't write that don't seem to fit with anything else on it and i'm actually wondering if two of them are only there to justify the existence of padam to be honest what are you talking about there? Hands, green light, those and Padam. Two, yeah. so those are the only ones she didn't write, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, as far as I know, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just go, why are these songs on here? They don't sort of fit in with anything else. Oh, look, I, I'm still listening to it um, just as much as I was. Um, look, I, I enjoy it. Um, it's you know what it's it's a funny thing this album because it's it is a little bit divided, you know, and a lot of people are saying the same sort of feedback in terms of hands and and green light. Um, I, I, they're two that I really like, actually. I, I think they do belong there. I mean, I, I can understand other people's sort of point of view on that they don't entirely fit or it slows the momentum of the vibe a little bit. But, uh, look, I, I really enjoy them. Um, in fact, I enjoy them than a couple of others that are on there that, that she has written, which you probably know all about from previous discussions. But still listening to it a great deal. I love it. It's on the car on the way to work every day. And for me, yeah, it just keeps growing on me, I've got to say. I, I, it just keeps getting better and better as far as I'm concerned. There's some tracks on there that I didn't stand out for me at the beginning, but now I'm I'm in love with them. I think it's a great album. Um, oh, by the way, introductions. You're in the fortress. Mark, Chris, Chris, Mark. Mark Hi, Chris, how are you doing? Mark. Good, how are you? Not bad. Very rude of me. I apologise. Uh, you've both been on the show before. Can I just whet your appetite for a moment? Sure. Absolutely. All their lives they were told they mustn't. They shouldn't. They can't. <laughs> One year they did. Some rules were meant to be broken. Kylie Minogue, the delinquents. Mark, one year they did. Did what? What did they do? I don't know, but the adults were not happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every parent in a... But I'm going to put this in context, okay? So we're talking about the delinquents today. Just a quick brief um, revisit of this 1989 film. 
But when mm. you think about it, we were all, not all of us, but most of us Kylie fans, we were just little kids into someone very sweet and pure and popish and parents were like, oh, that's cute, that's nice. So mm. it might have been a bit of a shock for them, especially if they read the reviews in the media that sort of suggested it was X-rated, right? Well, the, the, I don't think that the poster helped <laughs> our parents to be going, sure, we'll take you to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> My mum's response was, no, you are not seeing this movie. Don't don't ask again. <laughs> so did you end up seeing it? What did you do about your mum's little, you know, caveat oh, it, there? It, it, it was years before I got to see it. I don't think I, I think I was about 14 when I got to see it. But my grandmother went and bought me the cassette soundtrack because oh, that was my, that thing. was the only thing. And, and I was... So um, transfixed on that poster because it was just so elusive and something that I wasn't allowed to see. And like that, I just find, I think that poster is such a striking image. And I don't like to throw around the word iconic often, but I do think that that is one of the most iconic images in Kylie history ever, that delinquents cover. I must agree with you, Mark, because uh, off to David Jones we went, or I went, and picked it up on a board. You know, you could get posters back in the day, but this one was actually plastered onto a big board. mounted on the board, yeah. Mm. And up it went on the bedroom and it stayed there for my entire teenage, until I left home. In fact, my parents rang me and said, you need to come and get this delinquents poster. I was like, I don't really want it anymore, to be honest. I can't put it in this new house I've got. So God knows where it is now. should have put it in the pool room. First house out of home. Do you think it had a pool room, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have a bathroom. You should, have told, told them to, you should have told them to put it in the pool room. <laughs> Chris, were you banned from seeing this film? Do you know what? I was, um, I don't know how old you guys are. I was, I was. What, what are we talking, 1989? I was six at the time. Um, I was nine. So I was as, nine. Much, as much as I was, you know, I was a huge Kylie fan as a kid, as you know, Um you know, loved the locomotion, I should be so lucky, loved all the singles, loved it to death, but I was probably not quite yet at the age where it was really on my radar at the time. It, it kind of um, was something that I watched much later on, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, look, this is a true story which I might have told before. I was banned, but I went, and it was not like me, but I went. And when it got to that famous what we'd all heard about, Kylie Goes Topless, right, that's all you heard. And mm. that was the main reason most of us wanted to go out the window and go and watch it, I think. Um, as soon as it came to that bit, hand on heart, this is the truth, she was just taking off the bra or I think he was taking it off and the projector stopped. Oh. And the whole movie theatre, boo, ah, <laughs> popcorn everywhere. Um, it was hilarious. Like me, I went with a friend and we were just looking around and there was people up in arms and it took 10 minutes to get it going again. I think the projector guy who was probably about 80 because they always are probably had a heart attack when she took the bra off. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fans, Mark, who came on board during Fever and then there are extra blow-ins. Oh, sorry. I mean fans who came in uh, around Padam Padam. <laughs> Why should they care about the delinquents? Um, it, I, I just think it's a really important piece of Kylie history, really, because it it it, it transitioned. It really transitioned her out of that image and into that rhythm of love image, and 
the rest of what she actively pursued for um, brand Kylie after that. Um, so that's I, I, I think that everyone who's a Kylie fan should watch it because that's where that happened. So absolutely right, Mark. Basically, in, in 89, she had just finished recording uh, enjoy Yourself. She was really excited about it. There's a few interviews at the time going, people are going to really enjoy my second album. It's a real progression from the first, which is very cute and very sweet. And then she went straight from that into filming The Delinquents. And it was, well, put it this way, it, it was meant to be the vehicle that would propel her from uh, the singing soap star, very successful one, into a global film and acting icon. And if you don't believe me, just have a quick listen to this from the press junket that happened before they even started filming. I I, I think something of interest that that happened literally at 5 to 12 before I arrived here, it's not in the press release, is I I just concluded a telephone call with Terry Semmel, the president of Warner Brothers, and we've closed a deal for Warners to release the film worldwide. And Terry Semmel said, and I quote, he said, after our relationship with Australia with Mad Max and Young Einstein, we are delighted to have concluded a deal to distribute Village Roadshows to delinquents. As the studio that brought the world Bette Davis and Jane Fonda, uh, we share your belief Kylie Minogue will be the world's next big movie star. Already we've set the releases in UK, Japan, opening December 26. You've got a great script, so get in there and make a great movie, end quote. Amazing stuff, right? They they were hinging a lot on this film, I've got to say. So when, when we say, why should you care about this? It was a massive moment, wasn't it, Chris, for Kylie? This was a huge career moment for her. It was huge, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's incremental in her kind of history, back catalogue of everything she's done, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it look, it's definitely because it was during that transition period. You know, she'd started... She'd started dating Michael Hutchins. Um, I still remember those, um, you, you know, front page of the paper and the the delinquents premiere where she was in that kind of sequined noughts and crosses dress with him and everyone had thought she'd cut her hair because she had that really cropped sort of pixie blonde wig thing on. Um, it was just everything surrounding that time for her was just, it was an evolution of where she'd come from and everything we knew um, to show this different sort of, side of her I guess and I think that's what so many people love about Kylie is that sort of um you know light and shade of her I guess and and as a what's interesting about her when she does act and this being one of the well being the first film that she did we all knew her as this sort of squeaky clean smiley Kylie but when she chooses her acting roles she chooses these much feistier sort of characters which gives people a completely different sort of perception of her you know and that was the start of that it's almost like what is it the cocoon right she's in the cocoon and after this was released she literally at the premiere she came out of her cocoon Mm. Mm. tell us about the movie mark it's it's basically the australian version of um romeo and juliet really and it's a really light version of it and with no suicide at the end but it's still got its thing about the forbidden love of young people yeah. And that's that's pretty, pretty much straightforward storyline, isn't it? That's pretty much uh, what it's about. And then it's got based a on a book by it's Kriana Rohan, I think. Uh, did any of you have to study this during your HSC? Which, by the way, international listeners, that's our final high school exams. I'm sure it was on the um, curriculum. 
I didn't have to study it, but I did read it. You did read it? I, I, I did read it. For one thing, um, it's interesting that Lola Lovell is not um, an Australian girl. She's actually um, meant to be um, a girl who came across from Singapore. But the book is a hell of a lot more dark than the movie. It's Absolutely. Um, well, well it, it's it's interesting. There's, there's a part in the riot scene where, she, you know, that bit where she's sitting on the floor um, and she, it looks like she's, they've done some great makeup on it. It looks like she's got a massive um, lump on the front of her forehead and, it, and she's sort of shaking um, while all of that chaos is going on around her. And um, in the movie, she actually had um, a miscarriage on the floor <laughs> in ah, the middle of that scene. In the book, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I do remember the book being a lot darker. I read it um, after the, the Delinquents movie came out. Chris, did you get into the movie later? You said you were too young at the time, but when do you remember watching it at first and what your impressions were? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I probably would have seen it for the first. I probably would have been 12 or 13, I would have thought. Um, but, I, I, look, I, I loved it. I still do, and it is still something that on the odd Friday or Saturday night I go, oh, you know, what haven't I revisited in ages? And and that's one that always seems to come out of the woodwork. You know, I, I just, I love it. I love that era of her. Um, I love obviously these days that I live in Brisbane and it was f- for the major part shot in Brisbane, you know. Mm. So um, I see a lot of those streets daily on my, on my commute to work, you know, and I, I think about the delinquents every morning when I'm crossing the street because I walk through <laughs> I walk across Anne Street in Brisbane through Anzac Square, through those down those stairs that she goes to on the way where the you know, the scene where mum's taking her off the abortion and whatnot. So I it's strangely enough something I think about every single morning. <laughs> That's a charming way to start off the day. And I go, Oh, Kylie's foot's been on that paver and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that cool. is pretty cool when you put it that way. As long as it's not making you think about abortions, but that's no. that's okay. Certainly not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what 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 does it look like now in comparison to what you see in the film? Because like I I all, like I genuinely think that the production design on that film is just it's really really good. Like it doesn't look like it was overly expensive to do, but that it was very detailed in in the costumes and the sets and um, like, what does it look like now in comparison? <laughs> um, the, the scenes here in Brisbane where they actually shot it are relatively the same. I've got to say one of the major intersections um, that they use with a bit where he runs out to the car and, and all that sort of stuff. That's quite a major intersection here in Brisbane, that great big heritage listed building on the corner, which is the hotel that she sort of, you know, where she's staying at the time. Um, to this day is still like it's a heritage listed building. It's being restored at the moment, but it's a it's a backpacker's lodge that's still there and everything. That intersection looks quite the same. Um, and the other bit, the other side where sort of, you know, mum's on, in the phone booth and that sort of thing, that's out the front of Central Station where they cross the street to Anzac Square, which is obviously a, um, you know, inner city Brisbane memorial for returned veterans and that sort of thing. So that that is all exactly how it looked in the film other than uh, I'm a bit of a freak I've gone back and freeze framed and tried to look what's different that phone booth whether it was there for the purpose of the film or not is not there but everything else the facade of the building the street Anzac Square identical to how it looks well the phone booth might not be there because she smashed it up <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> <little girl that laughs> was. I love that scene and 
do you remember in the, um, uh, on the old VHSs they used to have like this montage of the of village roadshow movies and yes that was the shot of um, Kylie that was amongst you know Nicole Kidman and Mel Gibson mm. and all of that it it was always the shot of <laughs> throwing the phone through the through the really? phone booth thing and and smashing it and screaming and I'm like. I always thought, I'm so glad they used that shot. (laughs) It was fairly roasted by the critics at the time, and I'm glad you both still enjoy watching it. That's pretty cool. There are some very iconic fan favourite moments in this film. We have to talk about, Mark, I'm going to go to you first. Our favourite character, probably, Auntie. Oh, that, you know what, I, that poor I woman, her. she was really just doing her job, like. Oh, she was a nasty old stick, well, don't defend auntie. Oh, but you know that bit when, um, you know, she she had her tantrum in, in, in the lounge room and, oh, sorry, in, in, the, in the kitchen and punched her and then ripped off her clothes and, and she's like, I'm, I'm late, and she's like, you're going back on the street again, aren't you? She's like, anyways, better than here and, and runs out. Um, yeah. She just looked so sad and hurt <laughs> that, that, that the whole situation had failed and she'd run off. And, like, I, I thought, you know, that she really was just doing a job. <laughs> no, she's awful. Oh, she's, she is, but at the end of the day, she was just doing a job. Sorry. <laughs> sure. Look, she's a great character, let's say that. Do I like her? No. <laughs> I like the other little character that's in that scene that never gets mentioned. The success oh, her. Like, she's hilarious. <laughs> She comes over all proper and prim, right? What, what, is, what does she say? She says something like, um, no, Isabel, I'll go and get some linoleum for the kitchen. And Kylie's just looking at her like, you f- are you fucking kidding? <laughs> Susie Homemaker, basically. I think yeah. that's probably the character's name. <laughs> but like, remember that look on her face when, she, when she's like, are you serious? I'll get the mail. <laughs> and come on, we have to talk about the fist in the cake. Chris, I mean, have you ever replicated that moment in your life, Chris? I can't say I can't say I have fisted a cake. <laughs> I see. <laughs> it sounded weird. Well, at your next birthday, can you make an effort? Absolutely. Look, I'll um, yeah, I'll do it. We'll do a live broadcast. How's that? Yeah, I'll just I'll just role play the last bit of it. The whole family's standing around you. Happy birthday to you. Absolutely, and we'll get right into it. Right there. And just That's exactly the moment. Just shock your, shock your whole clan. Why not? Boson, I think his name was, was played by uh, Bruno Lawrence, who passed away. He was also in Frontline some years after. Oh, that's uh, right. He was a great character in this, wasn't he? Well, he was the only adult that was nice to them. Every other adult that they encountered was just awful. Mm. And then there's just this one nice person amongst the adult population of Australia in 1957. They actually stumped up with some incredible talent for this film. They really did. They Angela Punch-McGregor. <laughs> yeah, as auntie, wasn't she? And Bruno Lawrence here. So really well-established um, actors. By the way, have a, have a quick listen to what Kylie had to say before she started filming. And you might recognise the voice at the very beginning if you listen really, really carefully. Do you want to be that big, glamorous Hollywood star or do you always want to be our little title? <laughs> Very quaint. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not doing this to, to reach a point of glamour and stardom. I'm doing it as gradual steps and a progression in my own career. I'm just working towards doing 
better things all the time. Do you think the film industry will be tougher than the music industry? I don't know. I don't know that much about the film industry. Um, I guess they're as tough as each other. I'm sure God knows how many movies put out each year and how many actually make it to the screen. Did you recognise that voice at the no, beginning? No, I, I, I didn't. I sorry. <laughs> Couldn't hear it yet. It was probably very muffled. Uh, that was actually, Larry, well, I'm thinking it's Larry Emder. Really? Uh, okay. Which only Australian listeners will know, but he's a well, a game show host. He's a bit of one of those people that do everything on TV. He's, he's got a bright smile. Come he's very inoffensive. Down. Come on down. Price is right, all that sort of stuff. But when you need someone inoffensive that's not going to cause any scandal, you put Larry Emder. And when you want to cause scandal and you want to offend people, you put in Andrew O'Keefe. That's just the way it goes. Uh, We all know that this was nowhere near as raunchy as the media made out beforehand. Some of them were actually literally saying it was porn. Uh, There was a big hoo-ha about the rating that was put on the film. Was it going to be R? Some people even suggested it was going to be X. It didn't end up being either. Oh, God, as if it was going to be X. I mean, that was ridiculous. I know, I know. Well, I wanted it to be, but yeah, it was very disappointing. What did you make of the sex scenes and the nudity and all the flesh on show there, Chris? I thought it was done. I mean, look, it was a it was a different time to now, but it was still. You're right. It was nothing like the media portrayed it to be. You know, Um, it it was done very tastefully. I I thought, you know, Um, and I liked that it was. You know, it was it was just real. You know, it wasn't trying to. Um, sugarcoat anything, and um, let's be honest. I mean, people that age were doing that sort of stuff at the time. You know what I mean? It was, just, it was, it was normal to me. Mark, was it a mistake for Kylie to get her boobs out? Well, she didn't. She didn't really like. You, you couldn't. She it was, did. It, like, like she, she did. Many of my freeze frames would tell you she did. But that's the that's the thing. You had to free frame, freeze frame it to, to get a decent look. It, it's not like she, you know, Ooh, here they are, like. <laughs> It was very, like you barely saw anything, and it was. I, I think it was. It was tastefully and appropriately done for the audience that was going to watch it. To be honest, agree. My goodness, I'm getting the politically correct answers here today. Do you know what? I think it was. I, I think at the time it was just the media again having another crack of you know coming off the you know coming off the bat of calling her the singing budgie and this and that and you know she copped so much flack at the time and was called a no talent and this that whatever else and it was just another excuse to go hang on a minute you know this is a this is a turn for her you know it, it was just an excuse for them to dig up stories and try and paint it in a distasteful light in which it wasn't and look in all seriousness i i think about what it was like to be 21 and i believe she was 21 when she um, or maybe even 20 when she started filming this to walk onto the set and i'm sure she describes this at some stage i'm not just pulling it out of my head uh walking onto the set with such established actors film crew um and movie producers everyone who knew their business and she walked in and even though chris you're saying the media um was sort of anticipating judgment here Mm. apparently there were quite a few people in the industry too that were cynical about the fact that she got cast um so i my hat is so off to her for even walking in uh but she's such a pro isn't she right back then she she would learn her lines she took her coaching and then she'd walk onto set and she'd get the job done that was the neighbor's training probably Mm. that was right to play there absolutely like she would have known how to learn her lines and um and also because 
the film, the, the process of making a film is completely different to a soap. She was probably able to really think about how she delivered her lines and had more time to focus on that. And I think she did really well for her first acting role in a, in a film. Like working on a, on a soap is one thing, but um, she actually really did a good job for her first film. And I don't think people give her enough credit for that, to be honest. I agree. That is the big question, though, Chris. So, you know, the question was, rightly or wrongly, before it came out, could can she act? Is she the real deal? What do you think after watching the film? Um, look, I, 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 I don't think there's any doubt that Kylie can act. Um, it's funny the way that her career turned. Do I think she's a better singer and entertainer than she is an actor? Yeah, absolutely I do. Um, I think at, at the time it was impressive because you saw that other side of her and you could you could see her career taking that different direction. So if that answers your question, then, yeah, absolutely. I thought she did a really reasonable job here. I actually am quite critical of Kylie's acting. Um, I only was just watching Watch What Happens Live uh, a couple of days ago and she was on it with that Frodo from that awful science fiction <laughs> movie oh, yeah. and Andy Cohen pulled out a script and made them do it on the spot and she just does this thing, I've spoken to you about it before Chris, where she just instantly goes into this sort of sarcastic mode and it mm. really bothers me but she didn't do that in The Delinquents I have to give her credit, she she was like, I remembering even that it's such an innocuous scene but on the train where she has to pick the hand that might have the wedding ring in it mm. or the engagement ring I should say uh, she was just so calm and, you know, that was real and, and acting natural, to me. And, like she was yeah. natural a lot of the it, it, like that, Like that scene um, where she went berserk at auntie, like she, she really overacted in that scene, to be honest. Yes, but, yes. But, you know, um, that scene that you're talking about there where there wasn't really a lot of um, words in that scene, so she had to portray what she was doing and she's such a good actress like that. Madonna and Kylie, when there's no uh, dialogue, amazing actress. Mm. They can communicate anything. Mm. But so actually, I've never to... thought of that, Mark. The fact that she didn't have to speak in that scene might have something to do with it. Well, it, it's, it's not even just that. It, like, you've got to remember that she had been doing Neighbours for quite a while, so she was used to acting. When you said that you're quite critical of Kylie's performance, I completely agree with you. But I think the problem is that she's out of practice when she goes and does these other projects and she's not used to mm. acting. And she doesn't practice acting, so she's not great at it. So the other issue that was at play, and I love this film too. Funnily enough, you can enjoy a film even when you know it's not perfect, right? Uh, yeah. But the other thing that I think was a disadvantage for Kylie was at times, not at all times, but sometimes the script. When you think about that scene where... She's in the juvenile justice and the hard-ass big matron or whatever she's called oh, I love is that thing. swinging her keys and little tiny Kylie, you know, who looks, no matter how much effort they put into the costume, it looks like she 
couldn't squash a grape. She stands there and goes, bastards, I have known, whatever she says. <laughs> you know what? This is very unconvincing, but I'm not convinced it's Kylie's fault in that particular scenario. I think the script is just... It, it's a bit I silly. Mean, that's, it's a bit silly, that scene, but like a parody of... like, Could you imagine that scene in Wentworth? Like, Oh, sorry, in Prisoner. Not in Wentworth, in Prisoner. <laughs> yes, actually, it's you can. It's like Kylie meeting the freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Now, Chris, I haven't asked you, what's your favourite moment in this film, if you have one? Oh, gosh. What is my favourite moment? I've got some favourite quotes. Can I kick you off? Yeah. Something wrong with my plumbing. <laughs> Love that. Because we haven't spoke about that character yet. Um, what was her name? The the lady who couldn't have Mavis. children. Mavis. Mavis. And I mm. saw, oh, was Mavis the woman who turned up in Muriel's wedding as the mother? No. Oh, no, I don't think so. They're different ladies? I okay. think that's a different woman. <laughs> Am I typecasting? Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they look a little bit the same, right? They do. Um, but I, I, Desiree, I think, what's her name? Desiree Smith? Is that what her name was? I don't know. I've, I don't I've got know. the DVD box here. I think that's what it says on the back. But she dies, doesn't she? In she the dies, yeah. During childbirth? Oh, well, oh just that's after. the whole point, isn't it? She dies during childbirth and then the father, yeah, a good one. This is a great reputation for fathers out there. Father couldn't handle being a single dad, so he gives the baby to Lola, doesn't he? Yeah. Isn't that the and, yeah. then they, and, and then they have to get married because the um, docs basically says that you, you, you can't have a, have the baby unless you're a married couple. So they get married. Oh, that's right. like, like really, that's, that's why they got married. <laughs> In the end, it's like, oh, okay. Great start to a marriage, isn't it, that? <laughs> i tell you, one of my favourite scenes, which I don't think anyone else would even blink, is when um, she distracts the man at the movie cinema while Charlie's up oh, the yeah, pipe. Oh, yeah, I love that. Stealing that, that that's really cute, that, that, and yeah, the, um, that, that meat. Yeah. The line is, um, um, are you playing some movie again? He goes, I don't think so. And he goes, it was, it was really she popular. Says, <laughs> and, I, and he turns with his son and goes, not with, with normal, normal people. people. <laughs> Something my dad would say. <laughs> my my favourite line is when she's writing the letter to Brownie to come and rescue her, and the and the woman and what's her name Auntie's walking around trying to find her, and and she shouts out from the bathroom, "Can't I even shit in peace?" I love it now, in <laughs> the cinema. That caused that actually caused a stir in the cinema because really? nobody had heard Kylie swear before. I think, yeah, people went, "Oh, <laughs> yeah!" But it got a laugh, it got a reaction. I, I remember. Shit in peace. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's your ringtone now, isn't it, Mark? I'm going to make it my ring ringtone, <laughs> along with that other one, which is now my texting that I sent you from Street. Well, I'll tell you something. I love looking back on that because she doesn't. I miss that little Australian Kylie voice that she had in the beginning. I know, so do I. You know what I mean? I love looking back at stuff and, and interviews where she talks. Like she sounds like, you know, Dot and the Kangaroo or something, you know, like when you're oh, a kid. Oh, God, that's a flashback, Dot and the <laughs> Kangaroo. The <laughs> know, I remember that. Oh, my God. It was like, and she's oh. really Aussie, you know, it's just hilarious. It just entertains me. Oh, actually, you know what? Stay tuned, listeners, because Chris is just – Provoked a memory in me. I'm going to play the Bunyip song if I ever can. <laughs> did, it, did it keep you guys up at night? In the Bunyip's very boat. And they tell me that the Bunyip's now a thousand years old. 
song <laughs> horrible scene traumatized me for life i think i had repressed that i've got to say really quickly david stratton who is a very well respected movie critic in australia i don't know if he's i think he's clinging on for dear life but i don't think he's very well He'd um, be up there. he was a huge advocate for australian film back in the day and throughout his entire life and even before kylie was cast he was furious about the fact that the character of Brownie, played by Charlie, mm. uh, was going to be going to an American. American rather than an Australian. Apparently, Ben Mendelsohn was considered for that role as he well. He had it. Yes, oh, he had. Exactly. He had it, and they and they dumped him. Did they? Uh, I, I don't know why, but it changed. Yeah, I don't know if they dumped him, but they it certainly changed. Obviously, I but, think it was a conflict of of projects he had going on at the time. Oh, okay. Right, and Charlie I, I was can't his career was. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. I said I can't remember in the book if the character even was American or not. I don't remember. After the movie came out, uh, David Stratton, he, he maintained that sort of fierce disgust that he had. He called the movie trite. Uh, he felt that uh, Schlatter was miscast, which was very polite, even though I think he acted beautifully. I don't think film. he was miscast. I think he was fine. I understand, I understand what he's saying, but I don't think he was miscast. And then, Mark, about uh, Kylie, David's review was, as for Minogue, the verdict is still out regarding a future acting career, but it's unfair to judge her on this material. He was not a fan. Mm. Mm. Let's, I, I wouldn't expect David Stratton to have liked it anyway. It <laughs> 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 took a lot to impress that man, didn't it? Well, it took, it took, it, you're right, it did. If you impress David Stratton, his snow white beard would turn pink. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you knew you'd passed his grade. Which was not often. <laughs> not often, no, that's right. In the Radio Times, that gave the film two stars out of five and called it a passable tale of teenage torment. <laughs> torment. Oh, ouch. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I can understand. Like, there's a lot of things that are made for a certain audience that the critics don't like, but it's not really made for, like, like if, if I were to watch if that movie were to come out now and it had nothing to do with Kylie and I was to watch it, I'd go, this is not great, probably. Some people talk about Bed of a Devil, you know, as being that moment where the image really just thundered in. But actually, there's a small segue, the very single before, Tears on My Pillow. Yeah, but it, 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 it was, was a good bridge. It was a very good bridge. Oh, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. All right. I, I, as I said, there's a lot of new Kylie fans who've never heard of this movie or watched it before? Should they watch it, Mark? Oh, yeah, I think they should watch it. I, I don't think that you should go in there thinking that you're going to watch something that's, you know, mind-blowingly, you know, amazing. But you're going you're gonna to go in there and watch a, a, a sweet little movie that has Kylie in it, and if you're a Kylie fan, there's no reason why you wouldn't like it, really. I'm going to ask you the same question, Chris, but I've got a couple of quick comments to make. A, her laugh was absolutely roasted at the time. You talked about her funny, cute little accent. Yeah, that was sweet. But that laugh, honestly, even I wanted to peel my ears off. 
And how many birthdays did she have in this film? Every scene. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Oh, Stop that's it. True. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> she must have been 42 by the time it ended. What, 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 did, what, did the, what was the, at the very end when she was in the institution and the woman goes, it's your 18th birthday. What, what would you like to do to celebrate? And she goes, I'd like to leave it to my C-19. Happy birthday, Lola. It's <laughs> so unnecessary, the sarcasm. I'm sure she's know, got 400 in. She was just inmate. awful, that woman. She, like, if you, if, like, she was like auntie times 50. She was awful. Look, I think if you're any form of Kylie fan, you should absolutely watch this movie. It's just, it's just part of her history. Um, if, however, you're one of these, as you call them, <laughs> blow-ins, which entertains me, that... That have hopped on at um, Padam Padam. Don't watch it. You, it's you not won't for you. Get it. You're not going to get it. You, you, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. You, you'll probably look at it as two hours that you'll you'll never get back. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's for the new ones. I love the psychology behind this, Chris. If you joined at Fever, you might get a kick out of it. But if you joined at Padam, don't waste your time. Absolutely, you've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been fun. I've actually inspired to go and watch it. Apparently, it's on ABC iView, somebody told me. Uh, is that- it is. And it's on Stan as well, I think. Well, let's all go and hunt it down. I loved the soundtrack too. You should listen to that. It introduced me. Kylie always did this. She kept introducing me to new genres. So I listened to that soundtrack and thought I wouldn't like it, but I actually really love the songs on that. Oh, and um, Johnny Diesel and the Injectors. I love um, that song. That is a really, really great song. The, yeah, um, what is it again? Please, please send me somebody to love. That is a great song. It's mm. fantastic. It was very hard to find, Mark, for years. It's finally on Spotify, I think. It just wasn't under his back catalogue. Yeah, I know. I'd, 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 I'd looked it up because I wanted to put it on my phone for the car, and I'm like, oh, it's not there. Mark and Chris, my favourite delinquents. It's amazing. You're listening to Time to Talk. The uh around.